Welcome one and all to episode 42 of the Scum and Villainy podcast, a now seems daily Star Wars podcast where we try our absolute best, Noah, to break down the latest and greatest in Star Wars news, which is why we're reconvening less than a week <laughs> since our last episode. Uh, I'm your host, Garrett McDowell, and in my co-pilot seat, you know him, you love him, it's Noah to George. What are we doing here? What's happening? Well, do you, Noah, do you hear that? Do you, do you hear, do you hear that on. noise? Oh, is, is something, what, what's going on? Is something wrong? What's Noah, happening? We've got an emergency. Break the glass. Get out the women and children. <laughs> we've Just got, dropped the lifeboats. <laughs> we've got an emergency episode, Noah. Uh, we just could not wait until next week. We had to talk about it. Because as happens uh, from time to time, we record our episodes on Tuesday. And as the Force wills it, less than 24 hours later after recording, the biggest Star Wars news of the year dropped. And Noah... We've got our very first teaser trailer look and accompanying images from Entertainment Weekly for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Like I said, we uh, really had no choice to wait. Like we this just couldn't, yeah. you know, we've been waiting for this for uh, seems like a hundred years now, maybe 99 years now. Um, yeah, so give or take, yeah. Give or take, uh, I would say maybe maybe give a little bit more, like mm-hmm. like 101 years something. <laughs> but yeah, we, we, we kind of had to, to reconvene here. Well, I thought it was so funny that I like, I was just browsing on Instagram on Wednesday morning. I was working from home um, and I saw, um, I just saw a post of the Entertainment Weekly images that were shared. Yeah. Um, and I, I sent, I sent the post to you cause it was from Star Wars Explained actually it was where I first saw it. Mm-hmm. Um, I sent that, that post to you and I was just like, ha ha. This is just hilarious timing. Typical. Yeah. <laughs> and I thought that that was the end of it. And yeah. then I went to the, I went to like the official Star Wars Instagram page and like not even, not even like half an hour later, I was like checking it out because I sent them to you and then you responded a little while later. Then I went to the Star Wars Instagram page and I was like, ah, oh, what's that? Uh-huh. <laughs> so yeah. like the, the, the images came out before and I was like, yeah, ah, no big deal. We'll talk about it next week. And sure. then that happened. And I was like, there's no time. Yeah. It was funny. I, I, I had the, the day off, uh, for when this trailer came out. So I, you know, I slept in, was just kind of, uh, just like, oh, go ahead and uh, check the phone. Cause that's the kind of person that I am. I wake up and rise yeah. and shine. Got to check out the phone. And, uh, Dear God, um, <laughs> what the a way to wake was up! Was on fire. What a way to wake up! And it's funny. Um, we're going to talk about not only the trailer, um, but we're also going to talk about the Entertainment Weekly images that came out too. Um, but this morning, I woke up first thing, a picture of uh, presumably Hayden Christensen in the Darth Vader suit, and now I'm just kind of like, if I don't wake up tomorrow and there's not more Kenobi news, I'm going to be a little disappointed because I feel like that's what a way to wake up and just check Absolutely. your phone and be like, oh my god, more Kenobi stuff. Let's, I even let's start today, that trend. I, even today, <laughs> I was just like seeing more stuff, and I was just like, I don't know what I'm going to do with myself. Honestly, I'm going to melt. Yeah, it's um, it's very exciting, and uh, boy, howdy, do we have a lot of this, uh, uh, stuff to discuss here. I'm looking, and I believe we have seven pages of notes here yeah. of things to discuss, because, yeah, not only do we have 
the trailer itself to discuss, which is a conversation in and of itself. But we've got images, we've got interviews with it's seemingly everybody who's involved at the show, including like the person who's in charge of like the f- catering. You know, mm-hmm. uh, we've got like every single you know person and their mom uh, interviewed for the show. So we've got plenty of things to discuss there. Uh, but before we dive in, Noah, I just generally kind of want to get your overall reactions to this trailer. I don't think we really exchanged any thoughts other than just being like. Like, oh God! Ah, yeah. oh, look. <laughs> we both of us were just. Did you? Oh, oh my oh, goodness! Ah. Yeah, it's just like noises. So I want to get your kind of using your big boy words. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What was your kind of general reaction at the trailer? Uh, big boy words uh, would be <laughs> about the same reaction. I literally. I, the thing is, like, thinking back on it, and like, just what I I remember like watching it. I, I forget what I was doing at the time. I think I might have been. Um, watching something on TV um, because I was like working from home, just doing stuff on my computer and I had a minute and I was watching TV with Rachel uh, and like I was just scrolling through my phone and that happened. I paused the show. I like stood up and I, I like ran to the bedroom. Rachel was talking and you, you hit her with the right hook I, and you were I like, literally shut was up. Like, I literally was like, um... Oh my God. <laughs> and then like, I went into the room and again, like just over and over, I'm just like sitting there watching this and there's, you know, needle drops and flashes of images where I'm just like, Oh my God. Oh my God. All this stuff. <laughs> like it, there aren't big boy words for yeah. the kind of feeling that this evokes as like my initial gut reaction to the fact that, uh, if I can put it in, uh, in someone else's words, the time has come. And that's my well, best Palpatine impression. Well said. Palpatine couldn't do it better himself. I, I, I'm i saying that was a good impression, Noah. Hey, Ian thanks. McDermott, watch out. <laughs> <laughs> Coming for your job. Uh, old <laughs> um, yes. So this was, uh, you know, generally speaking with um, trailers and such, I've never been someone who has been compelled to or whatever with trailer reactions just because I generally watch a trailer like in silence. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of what it's either in silence or just a big dumb grin on my face. Yeah. And that was mostly what this trailer was for me up until a certain point. And it's right when the duel of the fates score kicked <laughs> in. And I had like, I, like you had said, I had no choice, but to just be like, Oh God, like it just like came out of me. Um, And I think it's funny how we've talked about, you know, John Williams returning to do the, the, the theme for this, which I'm a little bit like, I wish we got a, just a little, I want to hear just a little bit of what we got, but I'm like, okay, it's fine. We'll we'll hear it eventually. Um, But it was the music and that's kind of a trend with a lot of Star Wars trailers, usually around the time where it says like this Christmas, you know, like Mm -hmm. in the trailers that you just like start crying and sobbing yeah (laughs) um but for this it was when the lucasfilm logo came up and then we get some um, other musical cues which we will talk about um, well i've got a lot to talk about about the music stuff and i I think there's one thing that i have that uh will probably blow your mind you won't even see it coming i'm very excited because i also have lots of stuff to to discuss there but yeah i uh, uh, reactions aside from that i think this series is winding up to be 
it's it's interesting that like a series that I'm so hotly anticipating, you would think that you'd like I would want to know as little about it as possible. But I think it's because we have such an intimate love and desire for this character, as well as a lot of the supporting characters in this, that I'm already kind of like. I already feel like I kind of know what a lot of this is going to be. Obviously the, 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 you know, hows and the, you know, and the wares and all the kind of details of everything are going to be found out along the way. But I feel like a lot of the thematic kind of why questions mm-hmm. are, the I what feel like and why, yeah, exactly. I feel like I've already kind of got like a pretty strong grip on that, which is not to say that I'm like disappointed or I wish there was more mystery because I'm completely enthralled and in love with all of the ideas of what I think this series might be. With that being said, though, I am totally open if they're going to take it in a different direction and all of that. But it's just like this is a story that I've wanted to see for such a long time with this actor and this cast coming back. And it's something that I'm, you know, obviously open to to where Deborah Chow and company want to take me. But I'm I'm also like. Whew, like what a journey I think that this is going to be and, and getting some of the details and there's characters and, and locations and things that it's like, I feel like I, I knew that that was going to be there, but to see it kind of confirmed and here it is, you know, this is it. Like it's, it was, it was kind of nice in a way to see everything. And now it's just kind of like, okay, let's, let's dive in. You know, I, I feel like all the things we speculate, speculated, uh, some of them are shown in this. I think this trailer does a great job of like, we're going to set the stage here, let you know who the major players are, kind of what's at stake here. Uh, then we'll get into kind of the more fun details later. And uh, boy, howdy, did this hit me in, in pretty much every way that I wanted it to. I immediately probably watched this thing a dozen times. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I feel bad for either my neighbors or my roommates because around like 10 a.m. the other day, I was just blaring Duel of the Fates, <laughs> not the score, just the trailer and just being like, oh, my God. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I definitely took one last uh pause and play peak uh right before we started recording yeah so. yeah i i wanted to, to ask you though because i had kind of brought it up were there any sort of like big major surprises here for you or was it kind of yeah it's it's obi-wan and this and the, some of the people that we expect to see in this we do but were there anything that was like i wasn't expecting to see that um definitely one is that we have uh, a larger number of inquisitors that I thought than I thought we would. Um, mm-hmm. I think that's something that, uh, uh, at least from what I've seen, not as many people are noticing that there are a few shots, maybe two, um, where we see an inquisitor that we know absolutely nothing about. Mm-hmm. Um, it's not Moses Ingram. It's not the fifth brother. It's not the grand inquisitor. Right. Yep. So, just the the fact that there's a much larger story than just the idea of, oh yeah, it's, you know, the concept art come to life. It's the Inquisitors coming to Obi-Wan. No, we've got like an Inquisitor base with like TIE fighters and, and like this landing pad thing. And mm-hmm. we're like, what? That's so wild. So it's like the scale of this is something that I am way more excited about because that's something that I couldn't possibly guess as to what we're really going to see. Sure. The story beats that makes sense. And it's, you know, this story happening now in this way is something that wouldn't have been possible if it were, you know, quite a few years ago, like we wanted it to be probably. Um, but now that we have this fleshed out idea of inquisitors and what they're up to and why, and what are their, you know, their backgrounds and whatever, 
Um, yeah. There's so much more room to play. And that like is already shown here in this teaser, which is great. Yeah. I think the thing that surprised me the most about watching this was not necessarily like that certain things are in this series, but more that they were shown in this teaser. I was kind of like, oh, wow. Like, okay, there's young Luke. Okay, great. Uh, yeah. Oh my God, there's Uncle Owen. And oh, there's the Grand Inquisitor. And oh, wow. Like the, it was just a lot of things that I... You know, I had suspicions were in this series, but I'm like, okay, here we go. Yeah, like it's just kind of going into full gear. I, I, I do feel kind of bad for people who are maybe wanting to go into this series like completely blind because if this is the teaser, I'm like, good luck, pal. This is <laughs> this might be com really tough for you. You know, yeah. I feel like a lot of this is is just kind of laying it on out there. And for, for six episodes here, um, I'm very curious to see. Like, if, the, if this is the teaser and this is what we're seeing, I'm kind of curious what we're not seeing. Yeah, that is definitely one of the things, though, that I always remind myself is um, when, when trailers for things happen, it's like, oh, I kind of get the idea of the whole thing there. Mm -hmm. um, you have to remember, this is, you know, a fraction of a fraction of of the amount of footage and story that's actually happening. Yeah. Um, so what don't we see? And I, that's one of the things for me that's super exciting is the idea that we do kind of know um, some of the things that are rumored to happen, but there is no inclination of them here in this, namely the man himself, Hayden. Yes. Nothing in the teaser so, right. okay, if we're going to imagine based on the concept art and that sizzle reel from uh, Disney Plus Day, like there was no hint of that whatsoever in this teaser. There's just yeah. so much more. Yeah, the, the the closest that we get to that is like a promo image. And even yeah. that is like pretty, uh, it's pretty, you know, uh, obscured with smoke and shadows and all that kind of stuff. But right. I, yeah, I think the primary mission of this trailer, as a lot of trailers should be, um, and I think if you go back and watch... Um, it's, it's, it's funny how, um, Star Wars trailers and Star Wars fans kind of the, the, the relationship that they have, because if you go back and watch trailers for rise of Skywalker, last Jedi force awakens, rogue one, all that kind of stuff. It's like, they're not lying to you. Like uh, rogue one, maybe uh, there's some stuff in there. That's like, you know, details, things that like aren't in the movie, like yeah. lines and moments and stuff that's like that. That's more of a production thing. But, right. Yes. But thematically and what's at stake and what the story is is they mostly kind of lay it on the line like pretty mm -hmm. early on and it's funny that a lot of star wars fans that are, are doing it with this trailer as well which i totally understand um is like going by frame by frame and oh is that i've seen people be like oh is that han and is okay is that gonna be this person and is that this and like drawing all of these connective threads like you know it's always sunny style but i think this primarily is there to say okay who's in this like who are the major players what's at stake here not only in regards to like within the story of like galaxy-wide ramifications here but also like thematically and for our characters what's at stake like what are they dealing with and where are they at in their own kind of personal battles and how that relates to some other things that we you know will eventually see come to fruition in the movies to me that was the biggest thing and and we also have some details in the interview interviews as well of like where are these characters at not only physically in locations but uh, emotionally and and mentally is kind of like what is the fight that's going on there apart from just oh look it's spinning lightsabers mm -hmm. and they're probably going to clash once or twice in this series 
Yeah, that's one of the better things, though, about this kind of really simplified, um, you know, not trying to pull the wool over your face type yeah. thing. Is not just that, your eyes, the whole face. The whole face. <laughs> um, really, though, like, it's... Okay, I, I will put it this way because there is a flip side to this and it's frustrating to me, but like mm -hmm. we know what happens to Obi-Wan eventually, right? Yep. We know that uh, Owen's not going anywhere. Uh, we know that Luke, uh, you know, doesn't get killed as a child. Yeah. Um, these things are certain. They are set in stone. So why should this trailer be anything but here is this contained story and here's who you'll be seeing for sure. the, you know, for six weeks, you know? Yeah. I, it's, it's a great point because I think a lot of this show, it's unique in the sense that when you watch trailer for like the force awakens or whatever, you're trying to piece out the plot and like, mm -hmm. okay, who is that guy? Like, who is that character for this? You look at a lot of the characters, you're like, no, I know who that guy is and I know what happens to them and they, they die in this episode of this show or <laughs> yeah. in this. So it's a lot of it to me, the importance of this show, show i've seen a lot of people be like well why would i be interested if i already kind of know where it's going you know the titanic sinks that's not the point of this, the movie titanic like hey it's man, more of <laughs> that's that's always been my argument for why i only just watched titanic uh two years ago but the yeah the the point of the story uh, uh with titanic or with with obi-wan kenobi or the prequels or whatever is like yes we know but like what what is the character's journey and like you're putting a face in an emotional kind of uh, uh you know this road in this in this journey that you go on and and how does this character get from this point and how do they you know emotionally evolve and change to get yeah. to this point we're going to talk about that very idea specifically in regards to obi-wan but yeah, we've, we've done an entire segment on kind of like making an argument for this show. If, you know, I can probably link it in the description if you want to hear that. So we've, we've talked about all of that, uh, pretty in depth here. Um, but I do think that, you know, although it may be like a understandable concern, I think star Wars is a, is a story that baked into it. You probably kind of know where things are going. Like you look at the original movie and you could probably guess that they're going to blow up the big space station and you know, that the good guys are going to win. Cause that's, it's the hero's journey. It's Joseph Campbell. We yeah. get it, you know, but it's more of like going along the way, seeing the emotional journey that the characters go on. And sorry to tell you guys, the character that the show is about. Yeah. He was in about three movies mm -hmm. <laughs> where you kind of knew what the destination was going to be, but it's more about, again, the journey and getting there. So it's, it honestly is just hilarious that, um, people like you and I and so many others have been waiting for a show like this for 15 plus years. Yeah. And even still, there are people that are like, well, I already know what's going to happen because he's not going to die. Like, no, yeah. this is far and away the most anticipated Star Wars project, hands sure. down, you know? Yeah. It's so yeah. funny. Anyways. Yeah, um, yeah I, I get it. It's an understandable complaint to have, but I, I think that as you'll find with even this teaser trailer alone, there is, there's more there than just, oh, hey, there's that guy I know and he's doing lightsabers and it's going to be real cool. No, I think that there's some uh, emotional depth in here, which I'm excited to break down. Uh, so let's just go ahead and dive on in here to the actual uh, trailer itself. Uh, in the opening shots of the trailer, we see Kenobi riding and walking his EOP into town for supplies. Uh, we can kind of assume that it's the same one that he has in Revenge of the Sith. So yeah. I would love to see like a little bit of like, <laughs> I want to see what their dynamic is like. Uh, I, I believe he has a, a name for this, for the creature. I can go ahead and look it up, but kind of I, like I an wanna... old yeller situation. 
Yes, I want to know if he has like a, a closer relationship with this than he does with his droids because he was kind of like whatever about his droids. Yeah. Uh, and I would be curious to see if he's like, I'm on a desert. This is all I've got. You know, <laughs> it's like... so funny. I just am thinking about the R4 bit. Uh, yes. Where he's where George Lucas is like, you don't mess with R4. You get mocked <laughs> on the head quick. <laughs> <laughs> exactly and uh, he's like uh messing with uh you in there that, that's yeah. hilarious yeah anyways yeah no i want to know if he's got like a you know a close friend uh like a close relationship with this thing because it's it's probably all he's got you know yeah i know it definitely is that's that's one of the things that i'm like oh it's kind of sad like he's just if he's not even with this thing all the time then he's still just by himself you know yeah. Yeah. Uh, not able to find the name of the, the, of, uh, Obi-Wan's EOP, but I know it for sure has What a about name. the one that farts at Jar Jar? Ha, it's ha, probably ha. the, it's probably the same one. What if? <laughs> what if? Confirmed. I want to see, yeah, red I see that, thumbnail. uh, from a, from a certain point of view, uh, like of the EOP and how it's like gone through many different hands over the years. Yeah. yeah. Maybe, maybe. Um, we then cut to, uh, Kenobi who is working on or crafting something, uh, it reminded me kind of of uh, Ray in The Force Awakens, where she's kind of like scrubbing that thing. Mm-hmm. Um, maybe he's making some type of clothing, mending something, making some sort of tool. Uh, it doesn't really matter. Uh, ultimately, I don't think he's like constructing a lightsaber with a kyber crystal. I'm sure it's like kind of a menial task there. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, so while this is happening, uh, we hear a voiceover of Kenobi that says, the fight is done. We lost. And then after that, he says, stay hidden. So Noah, this is kind of the first point in the trailer that we can really dive on in and discuss here. So first question to you, who's he talking to? I honestly think that this makes the most sense for him to be talking to Owen. um, Because as much as I would love for him to be talking to somebody else, uh, I know I have my hopes and dreams. Um, I, I don't see him communicating outside with people that are still around. So my number one hope would be that he's talking to Qui-Gon Jinn. Mm -hmm. I don't know how much we're going to get of that because this does feel like something that, uh, is kind of focusing on the, uh, the chase, kind of the hunt, the same kind of deal as fallen order instead of the meditative and exile, um, that we were kind of expecting. I know there's going to be some of that, but Mm -hmm. I think it makes the most sense that he's probably speaking to Owen Lars, Um, and I, I'm hoping that, that they do have a relationship, albeit tenuous or, you know, kind of colloquial, or if it's entirely different than that, um, I'd love to see them interact a little bit more. Yeah. Uh, I think we're definitely going to get some, uh, uncle Owen stuff, which we will get to, but I will say, allow me to plead my, my case here. Okay. I think even if this line is not directly to Qui-Gon, I think there's a pretty good shot that it is, but also I think he would be kind of having a similar conversation with Qui-Gon about this kind of pessimistic idea. Because I think if you look at Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon's relationship, I think it makes sense that, you know, um, just like Luke did in Last Jedi, some of these lessons that you thought you learned when you were younger, guess what? It doesn't matter how much older you get, you still kind of have to learn them. Mm -hmm. And I think at the end of The Phantom Menace, you have Obi-Wan in a place to where he's like, 
I don't really know if I'm cut out for this, man. Like, I'm not you. I'm not Qui-Gon. I, I don't want to fail this kid. And I think it's going to be the exact same conversation that he's having, except it's not about Anakin as a young boy. It's about Luke as a young boy. And I think that you're, you know, you kind of have that classic, oh, it's poetry, it rhymes kind of thing. But I think it makes a lot of sense there that Obi-Wan's going to be coming from a point to where he's like, coming from a uh, cynical point of view yeah. and that no, he's yeah. just like the fight is done we lost like that there, is yeah. talk about like a hopeless thing to say and i think he's going to be you know coming from that point and getting to where we see him uh not just in a new hope but rebels as well yeah there's definitely an air of um i almost want to say like like whining in in the way that obi-wan talks to qui-gon in the phantom menace um it's it is very like kind of father and son but you know he complains about some things um that's that's one of obi-wan's you know almost strangest qualities in phantom menace is that you see him as that kind of complainy padawan that wants to be doing stuff, but Qui-Gon's holding him back and you know and and then we see him grow out of that but something like this coming back to the same feeling that he might've had at the end of the Phantom Menace. Um, that's like, Hey man, that's good writing. That's what it is. So like, I would love to see that side of him. Well, I think also if you look at something like rebels, which by the way, it's great to see so much stuff like coming out of this. And Mm -hmm. you know, um, a lot of people are like, I guess I'll watch rebels. And I'm like, good. Like, yeah, it's about time. (laughs) You you better watch it. And I, I, I'm excited to see you around season three go from this, like Obi-Wan, this pessimistic point of view. And then the, you know, cut to you a couple weeks later and you've got uh, your entire ghost crew, Lego ship and your t-shirt and you're all a big fan with the rest of us nerds. One of our (laughs) mutual friends, Daniel, I sent the the teaser trailer to him as soon as I saw it, and he mm-hmm. he said, "Eh, forty to sixty percent. Everybody looks kind of mid. I don't really get it because I haven't seen Rebels." And I was yeah. like, "Hey, man, sorry, but also not." <laughs> no, I think that this this show is even if you haven't, it's like you can probably piece it together. Yeah, you, know, you get these, it. The, you're gonna, there's going to be a meeting with Vader, assume, you know, presume, and he's going to be like, okay, it's your job to hunt down these Jedi. I can't do it for you kind of thing. And then that tells you everything you need to know. But like Rogue One or uh, the prequels or whatever you want to point to, Force Awakens, Clone Wars, anything, the more you know about this, the more you're able to fully immerse yourself into the emotion and, and all of that kind of stuff. But, you know, yeah, I, I think this this line here is kind of pointing to the beginning of, of Obi-Wan's journey and and where he will be uh, kind of, uh, you know, going from here. And I, I think uh, what I was going to say is if you look at uh, the conversation that uh, Maul has with with Ben Kenobi and, and Rebels, which is after this, by the way, I'm seeing a lot of people uh-huh. um, talking about uh, like, oh, bring Maul into this. And it's like there's a whole series, <laughs> a yeah. whole season of a show that deals with that. Anyway, I digress. Um, but at the end of that that confrontation that they have, Maul asks um, Kenobi, he says, is he the chosen one? And he says he is. So I think we're going to get to a point to where we see Obi-Wan and he's like, 
I don't know. I've seen the, the, the chosen one and that journey and that kid. And I saw how that turned out. And now this other kid is supposed to be the chosen one. So it's like, okay, like maybe. So I think Qui-Gon is going to be that person that's going to be able to talk a little bit of sense into him and to, to, to kind of, you know, bring him back to those lessons that he thinks that he learned back in when he was a, a, a young, a young man and a, and a Padawan in the Phantom Menace. And it's like, no, just cause you're a little bit older and you got some more gray in your beard. It's like, no, you still have some stuff to learn. You can always still grow, which is a similar kind of journey that Luke goes on in uh, last Jedi. So I'm, I was, I'm, I was about to, to say, like, that. yeah, I'm just thinking about all of that. And it's, we are what they, what they grow beyond. Like exactly. Yeah. A hundred percent. Totally. Yeah. I'm excited to see that kind of journey there. And I'm curious to see if fans are like, well, Mike Kenobi isn't pessimistic and isn't whatever. And it's okay. Go back and watch the Phantom Menace and you'll, you know, you kind of have to do the same thing that we had to do with Luke. It's like, no, it's, that's the character. But Again, I digress. Uh, so uh, after this, uh, these lines that we hear in a voiceover, we cut to Kenobi, who is sitting at the edge of a cave, peering through uh, little viewfinders, which is a lot of great memes coming out of that. Loving to see and all that kind of stuff. Uh, yeah. But he's uh, viewing uh, a, a young Luke Skywalker who is sitting atop the Lars homestead, imagining himself piloting a starfighter. So Noah, lots yeah. to discuss here in this moment alone. Uh, first off, I want to know what are your thoughts of where is Kenobi viewing Luke? Where exactly is he at? Is he at his crib? Is he at some random kind of hilltop somewhere? Do what, where are you thinking about the location of where Kenobi's kind of uh, camped out here? My, I guess my inclination would be to think that when, when Luke hears about Obi-Wan or not, not when he hears about him, but when he's brought up in a new hope, um, the, I guess the implication is that this dude is not seen that much, um, Mm -hmm. if at all. And he's more of a legend that lives like, quote unquote, out in the desert, like beyond the whatever. Like that's kind of the that's kind of the idea I get. So maybe it's more of now that Luke is a little bit older, he only has to come and check on him every so often and other than that, he's just hanging out at, you know, Anchorhead or whatever this spaceport is that we end up yeah. seeing because we know it's not anything we've seen before. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe he just goes and checks on him once a week and he's like, okay, we're all good over here. Are they still alive? Yep. Okay, great. Um, yeah. And that to me feels more interesting than him like living in this cave that is, you know, a few miles away or something. And he's just like sitting there waiting for somebody to come touch this kid. And it's like, uh, I'm just going to sit here, you know? Well, I think, uh, it's funny. You and I are on, on different points of a lot of this trailer. We we disagree a lot more than I thought. Um, I think uh, Obi-Wan is precisely living in this cave. And I think that we are going, we're talking about though. That's so well, sad. If, if you look at some of those Entertainment Weekly photos that they've they've got there, there's a photo of him uh, inside this cave, and he literally just has a pillow and a mattress. <laughs> and uh, the <laughs> the caption on the Entertainment Weekly articles, uh, it's it's very cheeky and very funny. It says McGregor's Obi Wan Kenobi is a master Jedi and a master of decluttering. <laughs> oh, Gross. that's so cute. Um, as evidenced by his sparse dwelling on Tatooine, where he has set up shop to watch over a young Luke Skywalker. So I think that Kenobi is in this cave here. 
And it's kind of early days still of him being on Tatooine and he's still kind of getting set up here. He hasn't quite allowed himself to not necessarily relax, but kind of uh, not be as much of a helicopter parent around Luke. And I think he's he's viewing Luke in this moment. And I think as a result of a lot of what we're going to see in this show, I yeah. think Owen is going to be like, dude, you are dangerous. Like everywhere around you, there is death and violence and inquisitors and dark side people and people trying to get this kid here. Maybe you should go like go away. Like you are yeah. way too close to what's happening here. And I think as a result of that, we're going to see Kenobi kind of get into his little apartment that he's got there um, and kind of settle in there. And we, I think we eventually will see him get like, you know, we see in a new hope he's got knickknacks and he's got stuff, you know, it's that's, not just that's like, that's one of the things I'm most interested in is like him building this little clay hut and he's like, <laughs> yeah. okay, the flower pot goes here. Uh, the, <laughs> I, want, I want Kenobi to be as much of a as I am. <laughs> yeah. The lightsaber of my ex best friend goes in this chest here. And got, I'll yeah. put it with my other clothes. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I, I, I think that we're going to see Kenobi transition from this point of trying to understand, like, what is the best way to protect this kid? And do I need mm-hmm. to be right here looking at him 24-7 in order to do that well? And I think um, you're not going to get Joel Edgerton back in the series. And we do have a quote about that as well. Um well, I mean, this is as good a time as any, uh, but there was a quote, I believe, uh, from Deborah Chow, uh, where she said, like, um, thank you, George, uh, for casting Joel Edgerton as Uncle Owen. Uh, that's all I can say is what is what the quote reads. So I think that there is definitely going to be some um, confrontation, some some arguments between Kenobi and and Uncle Owen, because like Deborah Chow says, you've got Joel Edgerton, super, super talented actor. You're not going to just let that go to waste of him just being like, hmm, you know, and just being like yeah. a stern older guy like we see in uh, in the Attack of the Clones or Can I, uh, in, hold um, on. Can I say something real quick? Um, absolutely not. Moving on. <laughs> just, OK, <laughs> what were you I say? thought of? I, I thought of this when when I watched uh when I watched Revenge of the Sith last recently and I've thought about Mm -hmm. it like every time and like I keep thinking about it and for some reason it's just never like that important for me to to ask anybody is it strange that like George Lucas was such a forward-thinking writer and director that he had Owen Lars living with his girlfriend who then adopt this kid like they're not married uh like when when Luke comes to to be with them, like when they take Luke in, that's just something mm-hmm. that you don't like you wouldn't see or I feel like you wouldn't see. It's such a weird progressive thing because Star Wars feels so traditional and regal and like Anakin and Padme don't just have a, a relationship. They have to secretly get married type of thing yeah. for for, you know, Luke and Leia to be born. It's it's I don't know. Yeah. It's a weird thing. Well, I'm, well Owen yeah. Owen says that he it's Beru is his girlfriend in Attack of the Clones. Obviously, some time has passed the entire Clone Wars have passed. I guess that's since true. Then. So I, I think that that makes sense. I think the complaint that I hear most often is like. Obi-Wan just takes Luke to these strangers that Anakin met like once, like five or six years ago. Yeah. <laughs> and he's just like, I don't know, he's your problem now. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's more of this is the kind of the last bit of family that 
Luke has. So like, what's the alternative? Like, it's not it's supposed to be a great situation. It's not supposed to be, he takes him to Mr. Rogers at daycare. You know, it's like, no, it's <laughs> what do I have here? He either stays with me or goes somewhere else to like, to a stranger, you know? And I think that, People also say like, well, why would they bring them back to Tatooine? That's Anakin's planet. It's like, yeah, it's Anakin's planet that he hates. And mm -hmm. He never wants to you go back to. think he wants to. to go back there? No. No. It's got sand and everywhere. And he's got a big metal <laughs> suit now. It's probably a little too corrosive. Um, but yeah, I think that's it's done on purpose. Is that like, yeah, Luke is brought to this place that Vader never wants to go back to and, and never wants to be reminded of the pain that's there. And I think it's it's precisely because of that. That, that Lucas brought there maybe should have changed his last name. Totally a fair complaint. Yeah. <laughs> I, I mean, Hey, that we, one. We, we, yeah. we just can't go back and fault it for that because you yeah. know, whatever. I understand. Maybe it should be Luke Lars. Totally. I'm willing to have that conversation, but yeah, I think it's, <laughs> it's, it's precisely because of, of that. And I, I'm very uh, interested to see more depth uh, given to Owen and also Baru as well. Yeah. And to see that they're, uh, they're, parental figure uh, uh side of them blossom more than just being like i'm holding luke back and we can't let him go to do space stuff because ah no you gotta stay here and farm i would love to see that scene recontextualized of like we want to keep no you this safe. is dangerous <laughs> yeah 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 and we we love you and like Yes, there's a big world out there, but it's like it's very intense and you could probably die and we love you. And like we, we kind of know the importance of this. And I would love to see that developed more than just Uncle Owen is a grouchy old man, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, very excited to see um, all of that. But uh, following this, Noah, boy, the Lucasfilm logo appears on screen paired with the Duel of the Fates theme. Like you had said uh, and like I had said, this came on and i was i think the exact words were they did not <laughs> i was so surprised that they just i mean lucasfilm and trailers they usually it sounds harsher than i mean it to but they usually kind of weaponize music in a way to where yeah, it's like no you guys right. you guys know you know what this music does to us and the fact that you uh, chose duel of the fates was just perfect my my exact words because I the first thing that I said when I was you know getting up to go watch the trailer was oh my god but when when the duel of the fates hit I just said oh god <laughs> so yeah, yeah a very different context yeah so I want to break uh, that down too because I think um, like you would, like we had just talked about to where it's like it could be cynical to see that like uh, Lucasfilm or whoever's in charge of editing this trailer can go what music should we play in this ah just the one that the, the famous one let's just throw that in there but I would completely disagree with that because I think yes of course the nostalgia of Duel of the Fates is there it's one of the most iconic pieces of Star Wars music flat out period but I think also this this piece has so much thematic importance to it and Absolutely. is specifically chosen because of that. So I want to break that down here. So when you think about kind of the thematic weight of this kind of, you know, in, in Duel of the Fates, where does your mind kind of go immediately? Um, so there's one thing that I, I like kind of think of um, that, that I think of when I hear this music and obviously like this reminds me of, you know, just strictly Darth Maul. But I do think that, you know, obviously the themes here are, um, they're pertinent still with Obi-Wan especially because, 
yeah, the Duel of the Fates. You and I have listened to uh, many people, including Dave Filoni, talk about why, you know, the name is important um, Mm -hmm. and things like that. But there's one thing, because we can go into that in a little bit, but one thing that I like um, is that this song, uh, Duel of the Fates, is actually... uh, I, I read about this a long time ago. It is actually um, like inspired by slash excerpted from a Welsh Celtic Welsh poem uh, called okay. the battle of the trees. Um, I'm not even going to try to pronounce it like the way that it's actually called, but it's somewhat like cad God uh, okay. I don't, I have no idea how to, to pronounce that. Um, neither, but it's this really long, <laughs> yeah, it's this really long poem called the battle of the trees. It's, it's a Welsh poem. Um, and okay. it's a really interesting manuscript, um, about like, <laughs> I mean, this is going to be dumb, but it's, it's about like hell and it's about Christ. And there's, okay. there's so much like just really, really raw language in the poem. There's really like deep thematic language um about war and about the the dichotomy of hell and the dichotomy of hell and christ and okay um it's insane if you want to read into it listener i highly suggest it because it'll just expand your knowledge a little bit more um all that to say it's one of those things that that portrays a feeling of like you said they know what they're doing with these with these songs. Um, so this song especially um, is more than just, oh, this was the song that was the battle between Obi-Wan and Qui-Gon and Darth Maul. No, yeah. there's way, way, way more to it, whether it's the meaning behind the poem that it's kind of uh, sampled from or, you know, whether it's the thematic importance of the name of the uh, song yeah. itself it has sure. so much more context than just what we know from the Phantom Menace. Yeah, I think firstly on the surface level, um this piece of music is accompanying one of if not like the most formative experience or or moment in in Anakin's entire upbringing and that changes the course of his entire trajectory as a Jedi. You know, there's always that question of like, well, what if Anakin was trained by Obi-Wan? Like, would he be more equipped to deal with like the passing of his mother? And, and that, because, uh, like you had said in, uh, episode two of the, uh, da- Disney gallery, the Mandalorian, Dave Filoni goes into that and he's got that, uh, famous kind of uh, now famous kind of, um, monologue where he, where he talks about that, that, um, in that fight, you know, uh, Anakin loses uh, a father figure in Qui-Gon uh, and, and Anakin never really had that until Qui-Gon came along and that when he passes, Qui-Gon is, uh, uh, when, uh, excuse me, when he passes, Obi-Wan is not, doesn't fit into that slot seamlessly. Right. The, the two don't have that kind of dynamic and they're more like siblings uh, in a way. And Obi-Wan says as much that, that they're brothers and that I think... There's also something to be said that um, uh, Obi-Wan, where he first meets Anakin, he he says that he's a pathetic life form and he kind of lumps him in with with Jar Jar and he doesn't approach mm-hmm. him in that same kind of regard that, that um, Qui-Gon does there. And I think so you, you have that 
you know element there of of this music is is accompanying that famous scene and in that this moment in Anakin's life but also the duel of the fates the fate being the the fate of Anakin and and you know and the 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 trajectory of of him as a Jedi and i think that you pair that with what's happening with Luke, as we said, is this is also kind of a seminal moment in, in Luke's life, whether he knows it or not, you know, um, this potential kind of conflict that could happen with Anakin or now Vader and these Inquisitors and Obi-Wan, it could change the course of the galaxy forever. And I think it's precisely because of that we're going to see Obi-Wan also go on this transformative kind of experience of seeing this young boy is just like... I don't know. I, I don't really know what else to do. So I guess I'm just going to kind of look after this kid because that's what Master Yoda said. And I guess that's kind of what my mandate is here to where, no, he actually sees this as his mission and he still is a Jedi and the fight is not over. The hope is just kind of transitioned into becoming, uh, stay with me here, kids, a new hope, you know? <laughs> oh, something. I, I remember something like that. Yeah, so I think that yeah, this choice of this this piece here is not just hitting you in that nostalgic land. It's no, yeah. it's it's chosen for a reason and, um, and a thematic importance for sure. Yeah, I wanted to read just for the listeners who don't care to go on a rabbit hole. Um, I did find the translation because it's interesting. So the lyrics of the Duel of the Fates uh, are mm-hmm. it's an excerpt from the the poem that is then translated to Sanskrit which is really strange. Um, But the lyrics when translated are under the tongue root, a fight most dread and another raging behind in the head, which Mm -hmm. is baller as hell. If I might add, (laughs) Um, but it's some bars, man. (laughs) Yo, those are some fire bars, (laughs) bars. John Williams is dropping heat. (laughs) No, I think, yeah, that um, not only in in that poem there, but uh, I think that alludes to the fact of um, kind of what's going on in these, uh, in these, uh, the, the stakes and the, we, we talked about kind of what's at, what's at stake here. And I think if you look at the text of this trailer too, that, uh, kind of you know, goes over it, it says, uh, it goes over it in this trailer. I mean, it says between darkness and defeat, hope survive, uh, survive. Yeah. So I think that's precisely yeah. what is at stake here is like, how is hope going to endure? And hope is a theme that's talked a lot about in Star Wars. And uh, we're going to see someone who that hope has been taken away from them and how the the hope that they thought was for the galaxy and seeing someone who was standing on this, you know, volcanic hellscape of a planet, looking at his friend who's been burned alive and saying, you were the mm-hmm. chosen one. You are my brother. Like you were supposed to, th- you were supposed to be it, man. And like, I failed you. I'm sorry. And that guilt that he feels because of that, see that transition. And if if you don't believe me, Ewan McGregor pretty much said a similar thing when he spoke with Entertainment Weekly. He said, uh, talking about kind of where Kenobi is at at the time of this series, um, he says he's a broken man after what happened with the Jedi Order at the end of episode three, but also what happened with Anakin, that he lost him to the dark side. Uh, he feels an enormous amount of responsibility for that and guilt. And then uh, Joby Harold, who is the writer and producer for this series, uh, kind of um, cooperated that by saying uh, when we last saw Obi-Wan in the prequels he's very emotional there's a passion for him and we get to see him again in A New Hope he's this Zen master that was a story I wanted to understand what happened to Obi-Wan between the guy that Ewan had brought to life and the guy that Sir Alec Guinness brought to life um, so I think that's pretty much what we can expect to yep. see in this yep. six episode series and it's funny it's like 
that seems like a spoiler, you know, (laughs) (laughs) him just being like, yeah, this is what the story's about, but I don't care. Like I'm, I'm so excited to see that because again, you see the beginning and the end of this journey and it's only natural that as fans, we've kind of had this period to imagine what we can see in the middle and the fact that Joby and as presumably Ewan McGregor are also fans of this character. It makes sense that we're uh, finally going to be able to see that story brought to life. Noah, I am excited. <laughs> I'm so excited. I will say that almost helps me a little bit more with the idea that um, that there is stuff that we are going to be surprised by in this show is knowing that, yes, he makes the journey from one version of his character to another, and we're going to see that, yeah. but this isn't mm-hmm. going to be just him kind of taking some meditation classes and doing some self-growth groups, sure. you know, and like figuring it out along the way. Something is going to happen where it really is more darkness and defeat. And I wouldn't be surprised Mm if Obi-Wan loses even more in this series, but is learning and growing still beyond that. And that's kind of the intrigue for me is knowing that, um, you know, he's him and the people around him are going to be facing this peril. And we have to still get to that point of a new hope somewhere, you know? Exactly. Um, uh, speaking of some of that darkness, uh, and that's, uh, people trying to defeat that hope. Um, uh, we then see an inquisitor's ship with, uh, what appears to be, uh, the fortress inquisitorious, uh, with a voiceover reading, the key to hunting Jedi is patience with a shot revealing the Grand Inquisitor. I want to put a pin in the Grand Inquisitor until later because yep. that's a very hot button um, issue. So uh, we hot. will get back to we will get back to that specifically. But I, uh, I wanted to talk about in this moment uh, the, the line that he says, the key to hunting Jedi is patience uh, and then also the Fortress Inquisitorious. So, Noah, we assumed uh, we saw some concept art uh, for this series. We kind of assumed that this would probably pop up in the series but now we get to see it uh, and you and i are such big fans of jedi fallen order uh, was this uh, something that you were kind of elated to see because i was i was very excited oh yeah this is one of those things that's like well first of all because our, our mutual friend uh bailey and i talked about it and a question that he was that he had asked was like where was this budget for some of the other stuff like this looks incredible it looks yeah. so like scary and real and menacing and it is one of those things that's like um yeah this is this is some big deal stuff that we're that that we're handling here so that's super exciting yeah i uh seeing these types of things brought to life in this is like it's it's really surreal that we're kind of getting to this point i mean you and i have talked about before of like the prequels are something that for a while, even in some of the movies, we're just kind of like, we're going to kind of distance ourselves from those. And then now we're getting to a point to where it's like nostalgia and things from our childhood are directly being addressed. And mm-hmm. um, I think one of the first examples of that was uh, the new Spider-Man movie to where it's like, wow, like it's it's I've always been on the outside looking in of like, oh, man, it must be cool for every freaking movie from the 80s to be brought back and like you're kind of re being able to experience that kind of stuff again to where for me it's like we've never had that for our generation until i think toby Maguire was like one of the first big examples of that to where it's like 
yes, Spider-Man's been around for long predated Tobey Maguire, but that specific thing is being kind of recontextualized for a modern audience. And there's a sense of nostalgia attributed to that. I get nostalgia takes time to develop, but it's, it's just odd being able to see that. And now we're getting to see that with Star Wars too, of, of Ewan coming back. And it's so cool that we're being able to see that, but paired with some other things that we've been able to kind of grow fond of over the years, like Star Wars Rebels, like we were going to uh, absolutely talk about with some of the key players in this, but also Jedi Fallen Order, which yeah, any kind of inclusion in that, whether it's a, you know a location of a mission that you have or uh, uh, you know a BD droid, like any any kind of scraps I can get, I'm just completely enthralled by. Yeah, I, I actually. Uh have a couple other things to talk about uh, when when it yeah. comes to Fallen Order, but I know there's there's one thing that you were thinking in terms of clothing, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, Go ahead. And that's that's one of those oh, things. I, where, yes, I know what you're talking about. I, know I was just going to say, like, because you <laughs> yes. know, uh, we finally get it. We finally get Obi Wan in a poncho. That's right, um, baby. And th- even those things, honestly, are like. Yeah, that's one of those like tiny things that's reminiscent of this. Obviously, I'm not going to point at that and be like, is he wearing the same poncho that? No, that's it's silly. But like, we're getting so much. We're getting so much that is just like, yes, and this and like, why not? You know, yeah, Um, Yeah. I will say it's it's one of those things that like, I want to not have my worries, um, but uh, again, this is the most anticipated Star Wars show that's that's happening, and some people aren't on the same page as, as all of us, you know. Um, yeah, but unfortunately. St- yeah, unfortunately. And yeah. uh, you're going to be running into those things where it's like, who are all these characters that are, you know, they're saying they're all so important, and I don't really get it. And then the show is going to have to bring in some characters that we know are really important, and now we're going to stuff it full of stuff. I'm not saying that I'm like worried about this show hitting the same tropes. Um, but I'm just saying, I think, you know, on the bright side, we're spoiled with the kind of things that we are getting because they are for the people that are going to take those as a reward. Um, so we'll just have to wait and see. Well, I think it's like anything, you know, um, whether it's Cobb Vanth or Black Chrysanthemum or whatever, it's like, if you know, you know, and if you don't, it's not a big deal. Like it doesn't yeah. matter. Like I, I think if you haven't seen Rebels, I would recommend it because it's cool. But if you think about it, it's like, well, how much do you really learn about the fifth brother? You know, like, like it's not that much, you know, like you get to see more of them, which is great, but it's not a prerequisite, you know, like in the grand inquisitor yeah. in this, it's like, yeah, it's, it's great. If you kind of know what happens to him, but you kind of, I assume you're mostly going to get kind of what you need in this. Like, I don't think that Disney's going to be like, we're going to make the biggest series that we possibly can and have it be this huge deal. Oh, by the way, you need to watch like every season of this Disney XD show that frankly got kind of canceled <laughs> like a yeah. few years ago. Yeah. You know, that's not what's happening here. I think that they are introducing these things that make sense. We always talk about that as like Easter eggs and cameos and callbacks and inclusions and whatever. It's Star Wars. So it yeah. makes sense that th- those things would kind of pop up again because it's Star Wars. But then also if it makes sense for the story and it makes sense for the characters and thematically. And yeah, it makes sense that Obi-Wan who is tasked with 
saving this kid or protecting this kid from people who want to find, locate, and potentially exterminate Jedi, it would make sense that <laughs> Inquisitors yeah. would be kind of like a primary threat because, I don't know, that's their job, you know? Well, yeah, exactly. <laughs> like I like I had said before, like this story wouldn't have been possible five, six, seven years ago, you know? Yeah, yeah. Um, and this, it's... We, Go ahead. Go no, ahead. that's like that's just one of the interesting things is like the the people that are saying like, well, I don't want to have to do this required reading. It's like, no, you know, this this isn't just jumping off the back of something like that. Yeah. This isn't, you know, you're watching The Mandalorian because it's the biggest show, and who is this Bo Katan person? Why should I care? Um, yeah. No, this is you know we're jumping into the established reason that this show is even is even possible to have yeah. this larger story which is you know i hope that's what people take take from it you know i mean look at bo-katan and they kind of tell you a lot that you need to know that she like used to rule mandalore and that she used to wield the dark saber and they like kind of tell you all of those things so if you have no idea who that character is it's fine they've like they've got it covered kind of thing mm -hmm. so i don't think that there's going to be people who are kind of left out in the in the cold here but i wanted to talk about the uh, inquisitor's line here we're still holding off on the inquisitor we'll get to it uh, yeah. but he says the key to hunting jedi is patience a jedi cannot help what they are their compassion leaves a trail the jedi code is like an itch they cannot help it where is he so is there anything about this line that kind of clues you in to uh again kind of thematically or, or the kind of the emotional journey that obi-wan's going on or maybe even more plot point stuff so okay and i'm thinking about this now kind of contextualized with something that i want to talk about later um okay. i don't know when not really sure when we can talk about it. It's a music thing, but it's at the okay. end. It's at the end of the trailer. Okay, um, we'll get. To, well, it's in the notes. We'll get there. Yeah, um, but it's something that is that is like on my mind, and now I'm thinking about it. Is it feels reminiscent of uh, Jedi Fallen Order, and mm -hmm. like in a big way, in a really big yeah. way, um, but. That's not to say that this is going to share kind of the same characters. It's not to say that, you know, we're going to get a, an appearance from Cameron Monaghan um, because I don't mm -hmm. think that we will. Uh, I think that would be a little bit of a reach. But mm -hmm. this is taking very heavily from those themes. And I'm, you know, thinking of uh, Cal Kestis' time on Bracca and the reason that he's discovered it all is his yeah. compassion. Um, mm -hmm. and so having, let's just say this is that even though these things are kind of, they're, they're kind of entangling with each other. Sure. Whatever you can, you can point red arrows and, and draw red circles about whatever you want. But sure. I think realistically face value, this is just good, consistent, thematic, uh, writing and storytelling, um, which I love because that not only paints a clear picture of the kind of character decisions that we'll see from Obi-Wan, but it also paints a very clear picture of the motivations and the expectations for our Inquisitors, which I love. Well, I think it's if there's anybody to say that like, oh, well, they're just doing the Cal Kestis thing, it's, I would it's kind of an i think that's an odd complaint to have just because the grand inquisitor kind of just says as much you know he says yeah. the key to hunting jedi like 
plural, you know, mm-hmm. <laughs> is, is their compassion. So it's obviously a, a, a trend that they have that if they are looking for a Jedi, a way to do that is to target what they see as, as weakness. Palpatine, you also look at Return of the Jedi. And when, uh, you know, uh, Luke is talking to Palpatine, he says, your overconfidence is your weakness. What does Palpatine says? He says, your faith in your friend is yours. Uh, your friends is yours. So again, well, it's targeting their, com- their, their compassion that they have for even, others. Uh, even in episode nine, honestly, like it's not a throwaway line. Uh, when Palpatine no. says you're coming together, will be your undoing. Like that yeah. is the attitude of, yeah, that's, um, that's a, yeah, that's a constant theme in star Wars <laughs> is that the, what uh, the rule of T te- the, the rule of two is all about like isolating any sort of like connection or, uh, you know, re- relying or, or, you know, building tribes. Like if you want to go to the book of Boba Fett, that's Community, a very light side. If you exactly. Will. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The dark side is like super not with that man. Cause why they keep killing each other but the light side is very much so about that and what, what is if you want to go to episode nine still what does finn say he says uh, when ray says i'm going alone and finn says alone with friends you know that's that's kind yeah. of the whole thing is that compassion and, and community and connectivity is their thing the thing yeah. that sticks out to me is is not just stuff with like that but i think the uh, the plot details are also kind of being uh, doled out here to where you know they're they're clearly going to be targeting someone who they know is not a Jedi and Kenobi is going to have to make that decision of like, do I stand by here and let that person die because it's maybe what's best for the galaxy or do I step in and kind of save them? And I think we're going to see Kenobi do what Cal does and save someone, but maybe he kind of overextends himself a little bit to where he kind of, you know, tips his hand and they're like, Oh shit, we got a Jedi on our hands. And he's like, Oh man, and he has they to bring like, out the noisemakers. You know? They're like, "All right, we got one. We got a Jedi." <laughs> like, like he's at like a Mexican restaurant. And it's his birthday. <laughs> uh, no, I yeah, I I think that's exactly what is uh, not the Mexican restaurant thing, but I think that's exactly what's going to happen. Is that okay? We're well, see... on a side note, who, who wants who wants flan for their birthday? No, thank you, dude. Don't even don't even talk to me about that. It's like dinner time around here, and my tummy is growling. I no, am I had so an Arby's gyro, so I'm actually you know coming down from it. I got the burpees. Dude, there's like some Beatia tacos like 10 to 15 minutes away from here and they're like less than $10. I might just go just destroy some of that well, stuff. I go after right this. now? You can't go now. I'm out of here. We're taking I'm, this I'm, podcast I'm on the move. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, excuse me. No, enough, enough of that. Back to the topic here. Ben, Anyways, you got yeah. me sidetracked here. Us with our food analogies. I'm thinking of my stomach. Um, anyway, yeah, I think we're going we're gonna to clearly see Kenobi, who is you know, um, uh, kind of lured out of the shadows because of that. I think also, if you look at this, I, I don't think, and we'll get to the, we'll, we'll get to the cosmetic stuff. I promise about the grand inquisitor, but I think what we're going to see is we're going to kind of get the lackeys in a little bit kind of per, patrolling Tatooine, And then Kenobi's going to do maybe something it's going to tip their hand and the grand inquisitor is going to kind of get involved after that. And I think he's going to be kind of called in as backup. So I'm, I'm curious to see what that's going to be, or if maybe from out the get go, uh, the grand inquisitor is, is on Tatooine there and he's the kind of the primary foe, which is not what I'm anticipating. You were, we were talking about, um, 
rebels and bringing in new characters and old characters and kind of the balance between that. I do not think the Grand Inquisitor is going to be the big bad of this series, nor do I think it's going to be Vader. I yeah. think it is going to be Reva, who we're actually getting some uh, details here from Entertainment Weekly. Uh, this quote comes from Moses Ingram herself, the actress portraying the character, and she says they share a common dark side goal. Uh, referring to uh, uh, Reva as well as the Grand Inquisitor and Darth Vader. She says they're on the same team. Uh, it's all heart, which I think is an interesting quote there for sure. Uh, and Reva is also later described in the article as ruthlessly ambitious. So we've got some more details here about Reva Noah. Is this a character that you're excited to see? We also got plenty of uh, looks in this trailer of her igniting her red lightsaber as well as some uh, some photos here, some promo photos. So are you excited to see more Reva because I think she's probably the like the main foe of the series. I, I totally agree that she will be, um, mostly because I don't see, um, I don't as much as I love the design, I don't see the fifth brother being like also the main antagonist. Um, I mm -hmm. love the idea that there's there's this terror that is sweeping certain parts of the galaxy, especially the outer rim, um, yeah. that is coming from multiple angles, whether it be, you know, the increasing presence of the empire in certain places that maybe it wasn't before, namely Tatooine. Um, but yeah. then, you know, the idea of Vader sending out these inquisitors, I love the relationship between the inquisitors and Vader because realistically, like, Palpatine does not love the fact that Vader has these uh has these little proteges. Like it's not yeah. it's not in their best interest as sure. the Empire. Um and we know that they are expendable as well. Um yeah. yes, they're skilled, but they are expendable. So having a character like Reva who's clearly it's, it's almost like we were just talking about that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> having a character like Reva that is clearly somebody that that is kind of showing her uh, capability and and is definitely set up to be the main uh, overarching villain here uh, to show that that they are somebody you know that that maybe could contend with Vader himself. Uh, there's and again, I would hope that there's an ambition there in that character, like yeah. she is described, um, that would show kind of the the competition there of like. Well, these people were Jedi at one point and have been turned into something else against their will somewhat, but also they have to like, not only are they doing this for survival, um, yeah. but they're also like proving themselves in a way. And yeah. we see that because they have to carry out these things on Darth Vader's behalf. And if they sure. don't do the right thing, if they don't do their job, then they'll get a lightsaber through the chest, you know? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see as a, uh, background for her character, where she comes from, how did she, you know, come about the role of being an inquisitor? Or was she a former Jedi? I'm very curious to see all of that. Um, but something that really sticks out to me just from like a cosmetic standpoint is that she's just kind of like a normal human character. Like, yeah, she's not, terrifying and like this weird alien creature with horns and giant hands and teeth like we get with the ninth sister you know we're just like oh well, my she's god a, she's a, i gotta fight she that guy something to look at really 
Yeah. Um, or even the Grand Inquisitor, which again, we'll, we'll get there, I promise. Um, yeah. But uh, she is similar to the like the second sister that we get in Fallen Order to where it's like, yeah, the under the mask, there's a human under there. And I love a person Trilla. under there. I love Trilla. Yes. I'm just going to say absolutely. It. Yeah, uh, we all do. We all love Trilla around here. Um, but there's actually a really interesting quote uh, from uh, the uh, Moses Ingrid himself uh, about Reva's kind of appearance here. Uh, and I want to read this because I think that this is great and really important. And yeah. uh, go fuck yourself if you disagree, to be honest. Uh, it says, Reva is a boss. I mean, she is like a full-on athlete. She is on a mission and will conquer that at all costs when given the opportunity. She is pretty badass. Uh, we had lots of conversations about hair and what the right uh, hair might be. Uh, and Deborah was really great about moving from the initial vision to what we arrived at for Reva's hair, uh, Reva's hair, excuse me. Uh, she said, I wanted kids to have their own hair at Halloween. And that's huge. If you look at all the black kids with kinky hair, when they want to be Elsa, they have to put on a blonde wig. Now there are so many kids that will be able to wear their hair at Halloween. And that's going to be really exciting. That's awesome. That's what so a, great. What a fun so take on a character to be able to say, like, not only do I get to play this character, but I'm excited to represent what other people will want to uh, exactly. you know, copy yeah. and what other people will want to portray as well, because that's one of the coolest. I mean, you talk to you talk to all the people that are in the MCU movies and they're like, oh, the coolest thing about being an MCU superhero is having your own action figure or whatever. Exactly. Yeah. And like, no, Moses Ingram is saying like more than just, yeah, I get to be an action figure. Like, no other kids get to look at me and they say like, I can be her, you know, that's cool. Yeah. yeah. And I think you look at star Wars and their history of, of their portrayal of, of, black women and it's a little few and far between you have val and you have janna and then you also have like characters in the books and comics like vimarati and and you know ray sloan and a, a bunch of others as well as some jedi characters who are kind of aliens but maybe also black you know it's kind of ambiguous but the fact that we get to have a villainous character and portrayed in that way and then have their natural hair on display. Whereas Vimarati has like this distinctive wig. It's, it's very distinct to her character mm -hmm. and it's actually, it actually is a wig in the story. Um, I'm making my way through the black spire book right now because I'm going to galaxy's edge and I want to be able to talk to Vimarati when nice. I meet to her. So I'm in the middle of reading that right now, which I'm really enjoying. Anyway, the fact that there is that sense of representation and with something like black hair, which is, so uh, intrinsically tied to black culture and is also like a taboo topic uh, in, in the film industry and has been for a really long time. The fact that this woman is able to have this, this uh, part of herself on display and something that other kids will be able to watch and maybe not relate to like, Oh, I see myself in this character in like an emotional sense, <laughs> but more in a physical sense. And you and I have talked about the appeal of villains and how it, it is kind of fun sometimes to, you know, to admire the bad guy, not in like mm -hmm. a, an emotional sense, but just be like, like an action figure, you know, the you know, Cobra always had the cool GI Joe toys and the dark side always had the cool toys too, you know, kind of that idea. But, uh, I'm absolutely thrilled with this. And like I said, if you disagree, well, you can get bent, honestly. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> um, after this on Tatooine, we see a citizen who is dangling in the streets as the inquisitors interrogate the locals, which includes one Mr. Owen Lars. Um, did you make anything uh, from this moment other than, oh my God, it's Joel Edgerton. <laughs> well, first of all, can I say, he looks great. Looks uh, so good. What a handsome second man. Second of all, 
Um, there was one bit that that we didn't talk about. It's not like a super important thing, but when when Obi Wan is on that transport into the city, um, yes. I was I was pausing every now and then, and I noticed on that transport there is a Lanai, um, who is one of the that is the species of caretakers uh, from Octu. Isn't oh. that interesting? Like the like the fish looking ladies. Yeah, yeah. That's cool. Uh, That's cool. There's one of those little guys on the transport, I believe. Um, I love that. Anyways, yeah, the 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 scene where we are now seeing kind of the threat on the city, um, mm-hmm. that is one of those things that's like, again, calling back to these stories of of Order 66 and kind of the aftermath. We always are like, hey, man, we've gotten a lot of Order 66 stuff, so we kind of get it. But at the same time, I'm like... Yeah, but I'm not going to be mad if you do a little bit more of it. Like, I'm not going to ask you to stop. And this is one of those things that's like, hey, man, if we could actually see the the crushing boot of the Empire post Revenge of the Sith, that'd be really great. And then we see it and it's like, oh, my goodness, things are getting real. Um, yeah, which I love. But like, yeah, what bigger kind of threat to to you know, Luke Skywalker than his ostensibly dad? You know, uh, being threatened by an Inquisitor, and I'm curious if that's the thing that makes Obi Wan kind of step in and be like, "No, absolutely not." But I also think it's like that's a lot of the 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 tension of the show is like how close the Inquisitors are getting to the the you know the answer here. Of, and and kind of the if their job is to look for Jedi, they're getting real close to finding the one. You know, yeah, like that's yeah. really tense and scary. And even though, yeah, we 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 know they don't. We know that Luke, you know, blows up the Death Star and hooray, yeah, terrific. But yeah, that um that uh that that kind of fear there is uh is uh really spooky. Speaking of which, we didn't we didn't even mention um young Luke Skywalker in yeah. the show. Great, looking, yeah, looking did, great. I can't believe we forgot to mention that, but yeah, it was, that was uh, such a surprise to see for me. And it was also adorable, uh, seeing him in that moment. Um, the thing that I thought of was, uh, kind of the, um, it's working like Anakin to where it's oh, like, he's man. got the, uh. you know, he's like, yeah, it's like this thing that he dreams of and is so important. But I also saw some people on Twitter. Uh, it reminded me of the moment. Um, it's one of my favorite moments, like one of my favorite character moments in Star Wars. Uh, but seeing Ray in The Force it's Awakens. It's when Ray puts uh, on the helmet. Ah. Puts on the little helmet. And she kind of sits there. And I love Daisy Ridley is like, oh, my God, in the scene. But she is just kind of has like this little little head movement thing. It's just like the cutest it's thing in the so world. Good. Super, super ah. endearing. But yeah, that reminded me of that moment. Great to see a young Luke again. Yeah, do you think that we'll see much more than that other than, you know, very uh, from a distance stuff? I think if we get anything, it'll be really glancing and it'll be like Owen is with Luke and they're, you know, and they're buying, I don't know, power converters or whatever. And, uh, (laughs) you know, this something happens and Obi-Wan kind of, hello, you know, uh, hello there. Maybe that'd be exciting. Um, Something like that. actually that's not a bad idea <laughs> that's the hello there because you know he's going to say it in the series and he's probably not going to say it to vader so that'd be adorable if they kind of bump into each other at the market and he's he like just hello drops there. in yeah. no he drops no. into the castle no, from the ceiling goes, no yeah he goes hello there and vader's oh, like come I on see. 
I thought you were saying that like uh, he was going to drop in on Luke at the market. <laughs> no, I'm saying they're just maybe like brushed by each other and he bumps him or he's just like uh, Owen or like Owen introduces him or something. That could be really that could be really sweet. But yeah, I don't want to get it, I don't want to get too much Luke in this series personally. I, I agree with you there. Um, I'd be really surprised if we had uh, so much interaction with Luke, but also if we had a lot of interaction between Obi-Wan and Luke specifically, if at all. Um, I'd be I'd be pretty surprised if we had more than like anything extended beyond just a passing meeting, um, yeah. just because you know I want to preserve that idea that Luke has only heard about this guy and doesn't know you know any of his deal and has only heard things from Owen after presumably a falling out between them, um, where Owen is like, nope, stay away. Um, yeah, I we'll think see. I think. I think if you watch A New Hope, Luke seems to know who Obi-Wan is or Ben Kenobi by like looking at him because when he kind of rescues him, he says, Ben Kenobi, boy, am I glad to see you, you know? So it seems like he's met him before, like he kind of gets it. So uh -huh. I, I, I think that that's likely that they will have met before, but I think as we talked about, Uncle Owen is going to want to keep that distance there. And he's kind of like, no, nah, dude, you need, you need to back up a little bit, you know? Yeah. So I, I do think we might see that, that kind of line overstepped a little bit by, by Obi-Wan. Um, but yeah, I'd be, I'd be very curious to see that. Uh, anyway, getting back to the trailer trailer here uh we see uh reva who is peering over a planet which uh if you look at some interviews appears to be this uh new planet called i believe it's dayu d-a-i-y-u dayu uh dayu Day i'm gonna say i think dayu sounds better um but yeah. dayu uh, uh, jo uh joby harold who is the again writer and producer of this series says it sort of has a hong kong feel to it it's got a graffiti ridden nightlife and is kind of edgy it's just got a different lane and a different feeling. Um, right. We also see in one of the promo uh, promo images that Kobe, uh, Kobe, uh, Kenobi also nice. visits the planet as well. Uh, so, what did you think of the planet Dayu and kind of our first official look at this planet? Um, this is one of those things that, again, we are blessed to see uh, lots of different planets and lots of different locations um, in new Star Wars. But again, yeah. this does not feel out of place. This feels like I could look at this and then I could watch uh, the Bad Batch and see the, you know, the market yep. streets that they're walking through. And it's kind of mm -hmm. the same vibe um, yeah. of these neon nightclub yeah. bars. And, you know, also yeah. it reminds me of like the Outlander Club and Attack of the Clones, like in lower yeah, level absolutely. Coruscant kind of stuff. Lower level Coruscant. Sure. Same with like, you know, seeing the Martez sisters in, in season seven yep. of Clone Wars and kind of that feel as well. Um, mm -hmm. so this is, again, um, I'm, I need a really good, I need a really good reason why Obi-Wan is not on Tatooine. Um, only f not for the sake of being like, well, he's supposed to be doing this. Like, no, I need a good reason just because like, he's supposed to be in hiding. Not, not yeah. that he's like, you know, forsaking his vow to protect Luke, but this dude is well wanted he is the guy that sent out the message to protect the rest of the jedi if there were any left he is yeah. the guy that the empire wants the most and he's yeah he better have a good reason to be out there that's all i'm saying you know what it makes me think of? It makes me think of the beginning of the Dark Knight, where it's Commissioner Gordon, like the rest of GCPD, and they're by the bat signal. Uh -huh. um, well, not the rest. He's got like that uh, lieutenant that's with him, and um, 
uh, she says like, why, like, why isn't he here? He's not, not answering the call. And Gordon says, well, hopefully because he's busy. It makes me think of that. It's like, well, why is, why does Obi-Wan not stay on Tatooine? It's like, well, hopefully cause he's busy. Like he's yeah. got something else that's more pressing than taking care of business, staying, than staying on Tatooine, watching over what is ostensibly the chosen one. So it's gotta be like a pretty big deal. So I'm, I'm very excited to see that. And yeah, no, no doubt in my mind that we're going to see and have an answer as to why he leaves it. He's not just going to be like, I'm sick of the desert. This sucks. You know, <laughs> like right. I'm going to go get a drink at this uh, neon ridden hellscape. <laughs> you know, he's um, like, man, I, I wish I'd taken up that guy on those death sticks all those years ago. <laughs> I could, I could use me some right now. <laughs> As we all could. But yeah, this new planet, Dayu, uh, is really uh, interesting and cool. And what a great way to differentiate, like, setting-wise. Like, Tatooine is this kind of, yes, mildly bustling area, but mostly it's pretty barren and deserty and and, and a know, light bright brown. and sunny. And yeah, it's just beige everywhere. It's really cool to see this, like completely new area that is a lot more urban and has graffiti and, and neon in this kind of vibe to it. Uh, I also just hope it's raining just so we get some like star Wars blade runner kind of vibes. That would be great. Oh. Oh. Um, but and maybe we could get some like lightsabers in the rain kind of stuff. Just saying guys, it'd be pretty cool. Um, but, hey man, hire this guy as a writer. He knows what's up. <laughs> I've got this and then the hello there line. And that's literally it. And I'll say, all right guys, thank you so much. <laughs> Have there's fun my making pitch. The series. Yeah. There's my pitch. Uh, yeah. Call me. Yeah. We'll be in touch. Okay, great. Exactly. Um, but yeah, very excited to see more of this. I don't think we're going to spend too much time on there, but uh, curious to see more. Uh, we also, after this, uh, not not a ton of information here, but we get to see an Imperial officer who is portrayed by Game of Thrones, uh, Indira Varma. Um, I'm not terribly familiar with the series, uh, but uh, very happy for Game of Thrones fans. Get to see uh, her make the crossover, one of the many actors from Game of Thrones, including uh, Mr. Pedro Pascal, the Mandalorian himself, who uh, kind of is uh, a Game of Thrones um, uh, alumni there. So very cool to see that. I love the little strut that she had. She looked like she's on a mission. So that was, that was cool. Yeah. I was, I was almost under the impression that she would have been playing the fourth inquisitor that we don't get much more of. And now mm -hmm. I'm wondering who it might be. Um, just because the cast list has been pretty locked up tight. Um, especially well, we with get, some, we get four inquisitors and, in uh, you mean like the, the species and the character that we don't know. Yeah. We have like, yeah. Yeah. We have the Moses Ingram one grand inquisitor, uh, the fifth brother and which then, is Sun uh, the, Kang the, and then yeah and then the the unnamed one too yeah. right that's the one that I'm most curious about knowing that we gotcha. see the you know the least of her uh her maybe um, yeah them I don't know right I, I think that they're probably gonna bite it <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're probably gonna bite it I don't know maybe Obi Wan kills that one and you know who knows the rest is history but yeah Anyways. very excited to see yeah yeah yeah. Um, and then on the same planet, uh, we see yet another Inquisitor who's interrogating some innocent citizens on the planet of Dayu, uh, while Obi-Wan watches from a distance, uh, that same unnamed Inquisitor uh, that we were just talking about. Um, and then we also get a brief glance at a droid with the name Ned, uh, written on its chest in Orabesh. Um, no confirmation here, but I'm uh, going to put my bottom dollar down that this is the character that, uh, Kamel Nanjiani plays. Uh, lots of other characters and actors that we know are cast in this that we haven't seen, including O'Shea Jackson Jr. as well as Benny Safdie. Uh, but I could just see Kamel playing a sassy droid, which this, you know, this might be. Well, here's the thing. It's either uh, it's either Camille Nanjiani or it's Ice Cube. 
uh, and that's that's one thing yeah. that I don't want. I definitely want it to be Camille Nanjiani. Mm-hmm. Um, I will say I read a uh, I read an absolutely ridiculous theory that Camille Nanjiani is playing none other than live action Quinlan Voss, uh, and that they just haven't told us yet. Uh, I about lost my lid. The fact that so many people were like, yeah, but you know what? I bet he's Quinlan Voss. I was like, and, and there's like a, there's like a mocked up image as, uh, of like, oh Camille my God, Nanjiani. I have to see this. Uh, you gotta find it. There's a mocked up image of Camille Nanjiani, like a picture of him taken from the red carpet and somebody like gave him the dreadlocks, put the yellow line underneath his eyes and like dressed him up in like some really badly photoshopped, like, uh, like a tweed kind of like rough spun tunic. Uh, oh my God. It is horrible. It is absolutely atrocious. Uh, Ooh. Did you find it? Did you find it? Oh my God. They <laughs> just took like a red carpet event photo of Kamel Nanjiani. Exactly. And just put dreadlocks over him and a yellow stripe across his, across his face. It oh. is horrifying it is that is so bad looking yeah um i'm seeing a lot of people throwing around like who are these other characters that we're going to see in this including han solo which there's like a shadowy blaster figure in this trailer that they're like oh it looks just like han solo's blaster i'm like first of all no it doesn't but also it's like i i understand the urge and given the pattern that we've seen on disney plus series to be like Somebody else is going to be popping up in this. So who is it? You know, kind of place your bets. I I understand the 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 you know the the urge or the the assumption that that's going to happen. But I'm also like, this is a six series limited, six episode limited series, probably going to be one season. We'll talk about that too. Uh, but was going to formally be a movie. I don't think this is going to be Cameo City, man. Like no, we're already getting a not. lot of familiar faces. Um, I think there are some clones who we might see in this i don't think we see in the trailer there was also some theories around online of there's like oh who's this bald-headed guy and i'm like ah, it's probably not cody but i do think that we probably are going to get some cody in this probably some flashback stuff you know tamara morrison's obviously still in the game so probably get some of that i don't think we see anything in this trailer um but i would kind of like this to say is like we're already getting a lot of familiar faces in this yeah. so let's kind of let's keep it in this kind of ballpark yeah personally. and even story-wise i think this is pretty open and shut honestly yeah. you know it, this isn't yeah. something where it's open-ended and you can pack whatever you want into this you know yeah yeah and then i'm, I'm just not looking forward to uh and then Obi-Wan opens a door and it's, it's, it's shock T she's alive. And then she, only oh for my her goodness, to, only the deleted for scene to, never to happened where, where she got stabbed right through the back. Yeah. Whatever. When are we going to actually see that? Cause she's died in deleted scenes and legends like five or six times. Poor shock T. She truly is like the, the Kenny of star Wars. <laughs> <laughs> So yeah, get that shot of the Imperial officers. Uh, we, yeah, as I said, see, uh, Inquisitor interrogating some people on this planet. We also, uh, get a look Noah at the grand Inquisitor who is spinning his red lightsaber, threatening a citizen of Dayu. This was kind of the, the, unfortunately the most talked about thing that I saw on Twitter mm-hmm. in regards to the, the looks of the grand Inquisitor. Um, I'll also just kind of throw in the fifth brother in here as well, because we do get a brief uh, glimpse at him who is leading a small battalion of stormtroopers. Of course, the fifth brother uh, portrayed by Sun Kang from uh, Fast and Furious fame. Noah, 
let's just get it all out there. How do you feel about the look of the Grand Inquisitor? This is my thing, and and I'll stick with it. Because the one thing that I think uh, has any merit is the idea that... Um, so I saw I saw a tweet that portrayed it very well, basically saying, hey, Star Wars live action needs to have consistency with its character designs, mm-hmm. uh, pointing to the official guy from Revenge of the Sith, who is the yeah, same... The Powin. The Powin, yeah. yes. Um, and how different he looks from the Grand Inquisitor. Now, I'm going to say this. Um, the idea that there is a name behind this character, that being the name of Rupert Friend. Yes. Um I just think that Rupert Friend has a weird shaped face and head, and that's what people are upset about, and they don't realize it. That's my thing. Okay. I yeah. don't think he looks I don't think he looks horrible. I think that this is gonna be the same kind of growing pain as hey, you need to you need to just get used to it. Ahsoka mm-hmm. doesn't look the same as she did, and Cad Bane doesn't look the same as he did. Granted, there are other uh there are other species of the same, you know, aliens that we have, like, yeah, Shock T looks way different from Ahsoka, but, yeah. you know, she doesn't look anything like Shock T if she were animated, you know, Shock mm-hmm, T looks right. like Shock T when she's animated and Ahsoka just looks like Ahsoka. So I think the consistency in terms of live action stuff that I can understand and that can be frustrating. Um, but really my thing is Rupert Friend's got a weird bald head and get used to it. He looks weird. He looks menacing. He looks a little bit scary. And it's not it's not like the cosmetics fault, you know? Yeah, I, I think um I'm I'm not gonna lie, it was something that stood out to me pretty immediately. Like I watched it and I was like, whoa, like it did I didn't have to like, oh, let me go frame by frame. Yeah, it does look kind of weird. I can he tell looks say like that. me without glasses on when you're like, <laughs> Oh, you really don't have eyebrows. Wow, look, can I get a closer look at that? Like he looks like me. So maybe I'm just like, I don't look I don't look that weird. I've seen my you, face you in the mirror every single day. You just relate to him. That's that's funny. Yeah. Um I think the thing with me that is throwing people off. Yes, it's funny that you like look at his head and like you see like just like a, you know, a red carpet photo or even the Agent 47 where he's actually bald. Yep. You're you're kind of like, huh, like he does kind of not like an odd shaped head, but it's definitely not like tall and cylindrical like it is with um, even like the the actor that plays the Powin in Revenge of the Sith, if you look at just like the guy's head, it's like he's got like a thinner face, like in a kind of a taller, longer head where, where um, Rupert Friend's head is like a little kind of it's more like square, you know. Yeah. Um, so there is that. I think the biggest thing for me that I'm just kind of like, oh, man, I kind of wish you would have had those is those glowing eyes, the yeah. yellow eyes. Same thing with the fifth brother, who I think looks terrific. Um, we don't get like a great look at them. Um, we just kind of see the, the one look at them with the stormtroopers uh i wish they just had the yellow eyes that's really it for me because i think that that's something that you had mentioned shakti a lot of people are throwing uh, throwing that image around from uh, revenge of the sith of her and saying like this is what ahsoka is supposed to look like and all that kind of stuff i get it i understand like wanting characters to be brought to life in a certain way i also understand that uh, ahsoka's got to do a lot of fighting and having these giant Liku swing into her knees is probably not like the most, it's probably pretty cumbersome. Well, why do you think Shakti got killed five times? (laughs) (laughs) She she should have cut her hair. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, But you also look at this and 
I think the thing with me that's it, it gets me frustrated, and it's not just with with this like the cosmetic stuff. It's a lot of script stuff, a lot of visual effects stuff. Is the word lazy is thrown around? I think that word, as well as pretentious, those are two kind of. Mm, boy, do they get under my skin when people mm-hmm. are talking about movies and critiquing them and sharing their opinions. Those two words for me are very frustrating because they feel like cop-outs. They feel like, uh, I'll, I'll try to say this as kindly as possible, even though this still sounds pretty mean. I think people necessarily don't have the knowledge of what they're talking about. That's exactly what I was going to say. And yeah. they don't have they don't have the words or the vocabulary or to express themselves and to say, I don't like the way that this thing looks and it's just lazy or this idea in the script doesn't work for me. Not because, well, they really should have set that up in the beginning. And when you do script writing, you usually have a setup for something and then you remind the audience of it one more time. That way, when it's paid off, the it makes sense. And the audience can see how that clicks together. It, like that's an example of something. Yeah. I'm not a script writer either. I'm not going to act like I have all the ins and outs and all the things that uh, you, you know you have here. But I think it's a, it's a cop out for a lot of people where they just say, I don't like that. It's lazy or uh, the, the, the last Jedi fight choreography is not maybe as, as, as I'd like to be. So it's just lazy. It's just like, dude, do you have any idea how hard people work on this show? And do you really think that they just were like, I don't know her, her Liku are a little bit longer in clone war and rebels. That's weird. Anyway, who cares? Like, no, like, come on. They obviously did makeup tests. They obviously did screen tests with things and just, and then they found a happy medium of what works best in live action, what photographs well, what would do well for, for, um, uh, choreography and fight choreography and all that kind of stuff. I get it. I wish his head was a little bit different. I understand. Like, I wish it was a little bit taller. I do wish uh, Ahsoka's uh, Liku were a little bit longer. I understand. All that being said, they could have absolutely put some yellow, you know, <laughs> in his eyes because all yeah. of that is not affected by fighting and choreography and all that kind of stuff and makeup practicality. I think if you throw in some yellow glowing contacts like they did with uh, uh, they did with Hayden and Revenge of the Sith, I think it would go over a lot better and would look better. He would look more menacing. He would look closer to the, how he does in the cartoons. All that being said, doesn't look great to me. Um, it's, it's not exactly how I would have envisioned it, but what matters to me more is the actor. Are they going to do a good job portraying this character? Does it feel like I'm watching the grand inquisitor or does it feel like I'm watching like kind of like a spirit Halloween version of them? All of that cannot be determined by this trailer. I'll have to see more. Yeah. And I will say like, we're not going to see that much of him. It's not like you're forced to look at him for the whole time. Um, Mm -hmm. it's, you're right. It is more about the, the essence of that character and are, and are they doing the right thing in portraying that character? Um, I just sent you a, a tweet that I saw that was a reply to that. Um, where I was mentioning before where somebody kind of edited that shot to make him look more like the rebels version and their, their, you know, caption was, I just whipped this up. I think it looks a lot better. And they made his head skinnier. They made his eyes a little bit brighter and, you know, cleaned it up a little bit. And I honestly don't think it looks that much better. I think that you're right. There's somewhere where, you know, the people that are designing this are saying, well, he has to be a real person because a real person is playing him. So where, where are we going to land with this? And yeah, it's just, it's not something that is entirely faultable, even if it's not something that looks wonderful, you know? 
Yeah, I think also that remains to be said. Um, I saw a lot of people throwing around Count Dooku as they did with um, Oh my Cat goodness, as yeah. Well. Ugh. And then Ugh. people were saying, well, people were saying like, well, that's different because we have seen the Powans in live action. Like we we know what they're supposed to look like. Yeah. So like I totally understand, but also, you know, there are limitations and, and animation does look different. Look at Anakin. Look at Obi-Wan. Like they don't really look like they do in the movies, man. Like <laughs> right. look at Yoda. Look at Mace Windu. Like there's a stylized version to them and they all look a little bit different. Look at Vader in Star Wars Rebels. It's very much so based off like the Ralph McQuarrie design of vader which is like an intentional stylistic choice so yes i understand why some people maybe want them to look a little bit different or or you know be portrayed a little bit differently totally understand that i think it's it just goes back to what we were talking about with the mod stuff and the vespas and it's like i'm a little just frustrated that this trailer comes out and that's all I see. Like that's the, that's the conversation yeah. that everybody yeah. is having about this series, not what looks great or what they're excited to see or the deeper thematic ideas and all that kind of stuff, but just being like, ah, the show looks dumb. Cause that one guy doesn't look exactly how I want it to. Or the same thing with the mods of, Oh, the book about Boba Fett sucks. Look at these stupid things. They're just look like power Rangers. And like, that's where you stop it. Because we, we talked about that before. It's literally, you cannot get more surface level than that, than how something looks like that's, your eyes perceive that. And that's like like the first thing that your brain kind of mm -hmm. is able to comprehend. So I'm just like, I'm right there with you. I don't think it looks amazing. I wish it looked a little bit different, but we've established that. Let's move on, you know? Yeah, let's move on. Let's move on. Uh, there is a shot after this of Reva, who is uh, brushing her hand over a carving in the wall with a uh, Jedi insignia over it before uh, confronting a shadowy figure wielding a blaster in an alleyway. Noah, is this Han Solo? No. All right. Uh, we then see uh, Kenobi, who appears to be on top of a rooftop, tr a rooftop, trying to defend himself with a blaster. I love that. I love. I'm very excited to see Kenobi with uh, a blaster because there, he's so like uncivilized. Exactly. He's like has in the movies has like a you know he's got like a thing against blasters. Like <laughs> yeah, he like says that they're like clumsy and random, and he's like not a fan of them. So I love that he's just like I can't use my lightsaber. So he's just like this is all I've got. Same thing with this cave. It's all he's got. You know, mm -hmm. I'm, I'm very excited to see that. I wonder if he's a good shot. Very curious. I think I'll say this is as much as we've seen him use a blaster, I would say, yeah, he's probably a pretty all right shot. Um, yeah. I would just have to hope, he, you know, somebody with his combat experience and combat knowledge would be like, I guess I, I have to. And I, I guess I could, you yeah. know. Yeah. I'm wondering if uh, he just reaches a point where he's like, all right, enough of this and just kind of whips out the lightsaber. I would be honestly fine if like we see him use the lightsaber like once or twice in this series. I'd be, I'd be totally okay with that. Yeah. Not to say that the fandom would agree with me, but I'd be, I'd be very curious to see how often we actually see him uh, use his lightsaber. Um, after this, we get one last look at Kenobi who looks up before we cut to black and we hear Vader's breath over a title card while Anakin's dark deeds plays over top Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, which is described as a limited series. Uh, that's kind of where the trailer ends here. Um, Noah, I've got some more details uh, regarding not only Darth Vader, uh, but kind of the idea of this series being a limited series. I do want to talk about Darth Vader probably first here. Uh, so yes, we don't get our first look at Vader in this series or uh, in this trailer. Is that something that um, you expected to see or kind of surprised you? What were you kind of expecting in regards to uh, the Darth Vader of it all? Well, I do think that... Uh... There's something good about having this 
this teaser as a complete thing and knowing like, okay, good. There, there's not that much to process because if there was yeah. like, you know, then what is the trailer going to be? Um, sure. You know, so I, I'm glad that we didn't see any of that. Um, I did want to say, I, I wanted to mention one thing about the music, um, not specifically Anakin's Dark Deeds, but before that, um, mm-hmm. when it does yes. kind of the main theme, um, like the binary sunset theme, but it's kind of way cooler, right? <laughs> um, it yeah. is almost note for note, uh, like it's a variation of that theme, obviously. Um, but the variation specifically is almost note for note, the, uh, Jedi fallen order trailer when he, at, at the end, he says, trust only in the force and ignites his lightsaber. And it plays that same variation of the binary sunset theme. Hmm, um, to check that out. It's, it, it's a really interesting thing again. Um, and the only reason I'm thinking this is I was asked, I was asked by, uh, vicariously by Bailey's brothers, whether or not Cal Kestis will show up in this show. I think it's yeah. unlikely, but it is interesting. Oh, it's incredibly unlikely. Are you kidding me? Yeah. <laughs> I, because you know, the ending of Jedi fallen order spoilers, I guess is kind of the opposite of what Obi-Wan would be interested in where they're yeah. like, well, we have the option to go pursue these four sensitive children, but we're not going to do that. Um, yeah. so it's kind of, yeah, it would be insane. However, there's all these parallels that I'm like, that's a little bit weird. Anyways, that's well, the, I old. don't know. I, I, I think it's probably a lot of it is because like, it's a lot of similar players, a lot of similar like locations and, and kind of, uh, it's also a similar like time in the galaxy. And for sure, you probably both have these people who Cal Kestis also is dealing with a lot of guilt that he wasn't able to like save his master. And he like, wasn't the Jedi that maybe he thought he was. And then you also have, both of these people who are running and in hiding and there's inquisitors who want to kill them. And <laughs> so I think it's yeah. because you kind yeah. of have like similar stakes, similar timelines, similar characters. That's probably where the Cal Kestis of it all ends. Um, I don't necessarily need to see Cal in this. I'm I'll, I'll reconvene with it with him when we do Jedi fallen order Two. again, this is Kenobi series. I, I kind of want to, uh, focus on him of whether course. we'll get that my, I, my wish or not you know who's, who's to say <laughs> i couldn't agree more but yeah anyways yeah. we can move on yeah so the first look that we actually got uh uh you didn't answer my question no oh wait what was the question were you surprised that you didn't get to see vader in this oh um no and i okay I, again <laughs> like <laughs> i think that like uh, it's it's something that in my head i'm like I'm imagining this to be so limited, so mm-hmm. like used sparingly to where I'm going to want to eat up every crumb of it. And even having this still image from Entertainment Weekly is like, okay, okay, hold on, hold on. Let's, you know, pump the brakes a little bit. You're sure. you're going a little bit far with this. Not in the sense that I'm like, no, I don't want to see, but I kind of don't want to see, you know? Yeah. Uh, just because there's going to be it, it's again one of the most important things that has happened in this era and it's one of the most important things that has happened in our time in terms of star wars media that's going on right now it's it's yeah. hugely important i'd i'd hate to not waste but i'd hate to have something in my mind and have anticipation anticipation towards that all the way until the end of may you know yeah. I'm sorry. I didn't hear a word you just said. I was just staring at this image of Darth Vader from Entertainment Weekly. <laughs> uh, totally well, kidding. Well, I wasn't. 
<laughs> totally kidding. Um, I think I didn't expect to see Vader in this. I think if I had to put my, my money down, the breath thing probably would have been it. Cause that's also what we got with rogue one, you know, yeah. where you just kind of hear him and that's identifiable enough. Cause it's one of the most like recognizable sounds in pop culture, you know? Um, yeah. I, I think that that's a good move from them as far as wanting to see more Vader in marketing. I think we're gonna like, there's dude, there's going to be action figures and Funko pops and posters and t-shirts and all that kind of stuff. Are you kidding me? You Dark know what? I, is, I, I, there's nothing I hate that's more the than first thing that, uh, not to, not to keep barreling over you, but like, that's the first no, thing right. that we you're heard fine. about this is Kathleen Kennedy was like, the rematch of the century Hayden Christensen will be back. Like He's that's back. this, this, this of is course. the premier kind of event of this, you know? Yeah. So it's, it's going to happen. <laughs> I was going to say, there's nothing that I hate more than, than toy leaks. It is one of my least favorite oh, yeah. things. Like every time I see or hear about a toy leak, I yeah. am like disgusted with the industry. It's so frustrating <laughs> to me. Yeah, it's kind of the reality of stuff where you got to get you want stuff on shelves and whatever. It's a miracle that Grogu wasn't leaked before. I that still blows my mind, but it's like yeah. the best kept secret ever. Um but I I think I'm fine with seeing more Vader. Sp- mostly because it's, it's like, it's Vader. Like I, that I know what he looks like that there he is, you know, like you see this mm-hmm. entertainment weekly photo. It's like, yeah, there he is kind of mirroring that, um, great shot from uh, empire strikes back where he's like coming out of what looks to be kind of his meditation chamber back to tank kind of situation. But, uh, I, uh, I, what I don't want to see is I don't want to see either Hayden Christensen as Anakin, like on a flashback. And I don't want to yeah. see like a cracked helmet version of Vader. I think we'll probably get something like that. I don't want to see any of that. Well, I'll wait until the day where I can actually see that, but show me a picture of Vader as you know, that's fine. I get it. I know what he looks like, but I think the thing that gets me excited about this image is I, we're not going to get a lot of Vader. You know, I don't think that this is going to be something uh, that we're going to see a ton of. I think it's more going to be like towards the end of the show and more of a looming threat that like, all right, you guys are messed this up enough. I need to get involved. Or once Vader hears that it's Kenobi, not just a Jedi, he's like, oh, huh, I have unfinished business. And I think he's going to kind of go after him. So I love this image of him kind of leaving the office, you know, like he was like (laughs) taking his nap, taking his back to nap. And he's like, okay, I'm putting my pants on, you know, like we're, 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 uh, yeah, he's, uh, he was working from home. One would say, you know, (laughs) and somebody knocked on the door and he was like, oh crap, where are my good pants? I got to go answer the door. He's been wearing the same sweats for like 18 months. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and cause we also saw that concept image of him kind of in his office again, working from home, kind of taking a yeah. zoom call there. Yeah. Um, and we, and we talked about it. I don't think that we're going to get like a ton of Palpatine in this, but I would love to see like Vader go under Palpatine's nose a little bit and like go after Kenobi and like not really want, uh, Palpatine to hear about it. I think that that would be really cool. Again, that's, that's one of the things I love is that Vader has his inquisitors and Palpatine isn't like... It's the, yeah. They're not really approved by Palpatine um, yeah. because their their dynamic within they have a they have a completely separate dynamic when it comes to the Empire and when it comes to the Sith. Um, yeah. Their dynamic is very different. So like, and the 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 Inquisitors are separate from the Empire. They're kind of their own thing. So they're kind of Darth Vader's thing. So they're not Palpatine's yeah. thing. So oh, it's going to be interesting. Yeah. 
Yeah. Um, I've got a quote here, Noah, from a Entertainment Weekly article. Again, if you guys want to check that out, tons of photos and interviews, it's really worth a read. But uh, this is a quote here from uh, Ewan regarding his kind of uh, as, uh, reuniting with Hayden Christensen. And I think it's the most tender thing in the world. Uh, he says, I was, uh, it was just amazing to see Hayden full stop. I'm so close with him. We stayed in touch over the years, but we hadn't seen each other uh, for a long time. And as it got closer and closer to the shoot, and once Hayden was on board, he was in L.A. and we met. It was during the lockdown we met in Santa Monica in a park. We both walked along with our masks outdoors, and we had this long catch-up. It was so lovely. It had just been years since we had seen each other, not for any reason, just locations. Uh, I was here. He was in Canada. Uh, but I love him so much and we have a very special bond of making, uh, two films of, uh, the f making two of the first three films together, excuse me. Uh, and it was just so important for us both for our careers, for who we are. Uh, so, uh, we had just so much to catch up on life stuff and where we are. It was so lovely to see him again. Noah, I live about like 35 minutes away from Santa Monica. And let me just tell you, if I was walking along and saw Obi-Wan and Anakin Skywalker together, I couldn't take it. I just, would just I share would in a atomize. street taco and yeah, like, yeah. Oh my goodness. I would goodness. shatter in front of them. I would turn to dust. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, but I, I don't know about you, but I just thought that, uh, that quote here was, um, really sweet. And, uh, star Wars has affected a lot of people in different ways. It affected these two people very differently. Uh, and the fact that Hayden's back in star Wars and the fact that this maintained, uh, this relationship maintained throughout the years, I just thought was, uh, was really sweet. Yeah. I, that's one of those things that, you know, I feel I, obviously like I and other star Wars fans at this point feel bad for Hayden Christensen just because oh, yeah. of the reputation. And it's, it's almost interesting knowing that Ewan McGregor is somebody that, Ha, you know, has not had that reputation and they are, you know, yeah. they're independently, you know, doing well. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, but just to hear that somebody like Ewan McGregor is like, no, I'm, I'm looking out for Hayden Christensen. Like, yeah, I, I'm wanting to make sure that like, that he's doing well and, you know, knowing that they've stayed in touch. So cute. Absolutely cute. <laughs> Yeah, I didn't include them in the show notes here, but uh, Ewan had a lot to say about like how the reception of the prequels affected him and how like you put so much of yourself into this thing for so long. And when that's kind of like completely maligned by the people, the very people that you want to, to you know, to, to fall in love with this thing, like how that kind of affected him and how it affected him coming back to Star Wars. So all of that stuff is uh, really interesting. But the, uh, the last note here that I have is uh, from Hayden Christensen, who says the whole experience was very surreal. Uh, the first time that I saw Ewan as Obi-Wan again, that was a very special moment for me and one that I'll remember for a very long time. Um, Noah, we don't have uh, too much more to discuss here on the, uh, uh, the trailer itself, but the last thing that I kind of wanted to discuss here, obviously haven't seen the show yet. Um, so we don't really know uh, the answer to this question I'm going to propose. Uh, but there was uh, in this article, uh, seemingly like the question was asked, like, is this, it's described as a limited series. Is it truly limited to like one season or multiple seasons kind of in your gut reaction? Again, haven't really seen any of the show yet. Do you like the idea of sticking more to just a tight six episodes or are you kind of wanting to return here for maybe a season two? I would love a season two only because I, I think that there's there's more here than just 
obviously there's more here than just Obi-Wan sticking around on Tatooine and, and he's protecting Luke. And then season two is he's protecting Luke again. No, mm-hmm. I think there's way more than that. And I was thinking, you know, if we do get these, you know, small cameos by, you know, from actors or, or characters or whatever, like who fits into this show, um, I'd love to see more of uh, Obi-Wan and Bail Organa. I think that that's a relationship that that obviously stays from, you know, the end of Revenge of the Sith all the way through um, to Rogue One at the very least. Um, because yeah. they're still in touch and you know maybe is yoda still in touch with obi-wan does it matter that there are other padawans that survived order 66 or does it matter that there are clones out there that have survived you know um yeah. and and does obi-wan keep up with these relationships and where does it take him across the galaxy if he's if he is you know willing to leave luke in the capable hands of owen to go deal with certain things is there anything else yeah. that pertains to these characters whether it's you know jimmy smith's our man or if it's you know other threats that aren't necessarily uh empire or not necessarily you know inquisitor related or darth vader related you know what what might those things yeah. be i just think that this is this series is going to change the perception of star wars it really is because it is the one thing that's going to tie together many fans from across generations. And it's, you know, hopefully going to redeem Disney in the eyes of Star Wars fans that are saying, you know, you know, just this is Disney Star Wars or whatever, but this mm-hmm. has to bring back feelings for everyone that, you know, appreciates Obi-Wan in the original trilogy or the prequel trilogy. So, you know, why if the appreciation is there and there's more story to tell i don't see why not but at the same time like i have faith in the people that are making this show that this isn't just going to be dragged out into obi-wan's adventures staying on a sand planet you know yeah yeah i mean uh kind of opened a whole can of worms there about like the fan reaction to this and that's, yeah you i know, know i feel bad no no but no 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 i i think it's a valid point to bring up but I, I, I think there's just a piece of me that I'm just like, I don't really care what you guys think. Like, I want you guys to like this show. Cause I, I understand that you feel very passionately about star Wars and it's a big part of your life. And I, of course, want people to love the show. Of course, I, w- I, I wish people loved star Wars and were interested in diving in on the deeper level more than just, do I like what color the Vespas were, you know? Um, but I've also seen Star Wars fans when even when they do like something, what they do and they just like Mandalorian was a very universally like a, kind of the first season, especially like a lot of people like that. There weren't a lot mm-hmm. of people who didn't like that show. A couple of episodes here and there maybe weren't the biggest fans of, but a lot of people like loved the show. And what do they do? They just weaponize it and they say, oh, this is the real Star Wars. Dave Filoni and John Favreau, not like these other people in the movies. So they just use it as like ammo for the things that they don't like. So even if this is the greatest thing since sliced bread, they're just going to use it as, as ammunition for everything else. So I'm kind of just like... I'm not interested, you know, that that's maybe just me losing that, that hope. And maybe I need to gain some of that, just like our friend Obi-Wan here. But, um, as far as like wanting to see more from this character, um, the, the quote here that I have and the reason that I bring it up is Deborah Chow was seemingly asked like the same question of like, 
are we going to get more of this or is it truly a limited series? Uh, Deborah Chow said it was definitely conceived as a limited series and it is one big story with a beginning, middle and end. Uh, the approach has always been that is one full story. Meanwhile, I thought this was kind of funny. Um, Kathleen Kennedy then uh, seemingly kind of chimes in here and says, it's certainly something that we talk about mainly because everybody came together and had such an incredible time. Ewan had an incredible time. Hayden had an incredible time. So certainly from that point of view, everybody involved would love to see this not end. Uh, but we have to really spend time asking the question, why would we do it? If we, are, uh, if we were to decide to do anything more with the Obi-Wan character, we'd have to really answer the question, why? Of course, that's like a very producer thing to say. Of not, yeah. They're not going to just be like, because we like a shit ton of money. <laughs> <laughs> and this made a bunch of people subscribe to Disney+. Plus. Of course, they're not going to say something like that. But for me, this is kind of like Logan syndrome to, and, oh, or like in-game yeah. in syndrome to where I'm like, I love Robert Downey Jr. as Iron Man. I love Hugh Jackman as, as Wolverine. I love Mark Hamill as Luke Skywalker. I love all of these people's portrayal of that character. I love Ewan McGregor as Obi-Wan. But it's precisely because of that, I'm kind of just like, give them a really proper send-off and make it a nice, neat ending to where it's like, we get this opportunity to spend more time with him and let's let that ship kind of sail and in the star Wars tradition of things, like let's let things kind of be, you know? Um, I just, I wouldn't really need convinced that the season two would be necessary. And that might happen in season one. There might be things in this series and I'm like, Oh, let's go down that path and let's see that. But I think right now, just my gut reaction is I, I I'm very excited to see this story and to see him, come from this place of like post revenge of the Sith kind of cynicism and end at the place to where we kind of see him reach the point that we see him in star Wars rebels and, and in a new hope, like that makes the most sense for me. I don't know if I need to see him become like I'm Zen master at the end of this season. And then I'm just continuing to be that. I don't, I don't know if that's super necessary for me. If we're going to explore the seeking out others, Padawans and or other force sensitive children and stuff, I'm kind of like, let that be the fallen order thing. Like that's right. kind of its yeah. whole thing or the Ahsoka series or whatever, like let, let, all that corner will, all those corners will kind of be explored to, to me. The, the importance of this is Kenobi as a character. And, uh, I, if, if there truly is like Deborah Chow says, a beginning, middle and end, then I think that's totally sufficient. Yeah. And, and that's one of those things that again, we have, we have faith in, in creators that say like, no, this is the story that I planned on telling and here's where it starts and here's where it ends. And I think that that's yeah. some of the strongest stuff um, instead of leaving things open for another season. Um, granted, you know, we talked about the book of Boba Fett recently and how it it did wrap up in, in a way that is not like it, it's neat, but it's not closed. It's, you know, yeah. it, it's one of those things that you're like, okay, I guess we'll just see what happens in the second season, you know? Yeah. Um, so I, I'm hoping that this does have a close um, because it, it deserves it. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it also opens up this, I, this idea and this precedent that I would love to see of like, yeah, we want to do the, a star Wars story type of stories, but do we have seven seasons worth of content or four seasons worth of content? If the answer is no, and you just want to make a cool Han Solo limited series, that's 10 episodes. And then you move on. Great. You know, um, like a rogue one, if that, if that was supposed to be a, a TV series, if we're, if we're taking the idea that 
for a while, which this was going to be, that we want to still tell Star Wars stories in the, the in theatrical formats. But then Solo comes out and they're like, oh, we don't really know if we want to do this anymore. So if you take those kind of a Star Wars story stories and then translate them to a limited series or whatever, I would love the idea that it's like, yeah, we don't have to do a bunch of seasons of this. It can just be like eight episodes. It's like an eight hour movie. And then that comes out on Disney Plus and then great. And then you kind of move on. I don't know if I need to see every single one of these. There's like four to five seasons of the show. I mean, again, if, if this show ends up and uh, ends and, and wraps up and we're like, I have to see more of this, then then we'll cross that bridge and we get to it. But just based on my gut, Noah, which right now is uh, is pretty empty, so I don't know how much I trust it, but <laughs> I don't know how much I want to see of this beyond season one. Well, I think you might rethink uh, your position there once you get some of those tacos in you, but yeah. we'll just have to wait and see uh, yeah, how we'll, those tacos we'll, make you feel. We'll reconvene tomorrow because uh, oh, some, no. news, oh, some no. news about Kenobi will probably drop in the morning. There'll be like a uh, th- this episode one will just drop and that's yeah. that's kind of our life. So that's that's what will happen. Uh, but no, I think that kind of wraps it up on our uh, thoughts on the Obi-Wan Kenobi teaser as well as some of those entertainment weekly photos unless you have something else you'd like to add. The only thing I have to add is, man, we talked for two hours about a teaser trailer. That's how much we love this. Yeah. Like a 90 second teaser. Look at us. We are insufferable. (laughs) But I think that that's about it. All right, buddy. Go ahead and uh, wrap it up and take us home. Okay. Thank you guys so much for tuning in with us. We hope you learned something today. If you have any topics or bits of news you think we should cover, you can head over to our Twitter, shoot us a message at scumvillainpod. But for now, this has been Scum and Villainy with Noah DeGeorge. And Garrett holding his Obi-Wan Kenobi Lego. And may the force be with you. We'll see you (laughs) next time. See you guys. (laughs) 